Thank you, choir and orchestra, Steve. I don't know what this is about. There are more here to see me leave than hear me preach. <laughs> I'm not going to preach a sermon today, per se, because I want to talk to you. I've never done this before, so I don't know how it's going to work. I don't even know how to time it. In fact, Steve said, how much time do you need? I said, I don't have a clue. We'll just go until we quit. And if it's too long, well, they, TV can do the best they can. If it's short enough, get out some music and we'll sing. It might be 10 minutes, it might be 45, but I've just not done this before. I felt that I needed to talk with you about Linda and I leaving. Retirement to me is like giving your daughter away in marriage. It may be the right thing to do, but you still don't like it. So we're going to do the best we can with it, and what I'm going to do today is that Paul had, had uh, brought together the leadership of the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20 to say goodbye to them. And I want to use his remarks as a model for my remarks today. So he begins in verse number 17, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with fear, tears and trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. So what Paul is doing as he brings the people together from the church in Ephesus as he is remembering his time with them. And he said, I was with you in humility. I know there are many people who think of Paul in terms of arrogance. I don't think he was arrogant. He had tremendous confidence in the Lord, but I don't think he was arrogant. Paul was humble because he understood that he was a servant of the Lord and that he served because he was a servant of the Lord. So he said, I, I was with you in humility. He said, I was with you in tears. And anyone who pastors a church who leads people has those times when they have tears because there are people you love. Death comes. For instance, last Tuesday I participated in the funeral of Roland Lyde, dear friend, prayer partner. He'd come in every Sunday morning and pray with me before the service. So there are disappointments and death and all these things that happen within the relationship between the pastor and the people. And so Paul said, I have been with you in humility. I have been with you in tears. I have been with you in trials. And he suffered many trials. He spent most of his ministry in prison. He was beaten. He was eventually executed. So Paul begins, as he calls them together, remembering the time that he spent with them, and for the past several days, Linda and I have been reminiscing about our time with you. I was pastor of the Council Road Baptist Church in Oklahoma City before coming here. Wonderful people. In fact, two of them are out here this morning, John and Cecilia Norman. Wonderful people. I was there for 10 years. The last year that I was there, I began to sense in my spirit a stirring. I believed that God was going to lead me somewhere else. I thought it was going to be to Texas. 
But there were a number of churches from Texas talked with me, and as I prayed about it, it became obvious to me that that's not where the Lord was leading me. And then there was a church from Texas that came, and I thought that I was going to go to that church. In fact, I was scheduled to go on a Thursday, and if we still believe the same, that I was going to go there as their pastor. I received a call on Tuesday from Bob Devonport, chairman of the pastor search committee here, saying that the committee here wanted to talk with me about the possibility of being pastor of this church. I thought it strange because I'd never been to South Carolina. The only person I knew in South Carolina was Ed Young. I had known him for a number of years. But there was something about it in my spirit. I, I can't explain it to you. If you don't understand, then I can't explain it to you. But there was something in my spirit that I knew it was of God. And to the degree that I called the chairman of the committee in Texas and said, told him what had happened, and I said it would be dishonest for me to come when I don't believe that is what God is leading me to do. I don't really understand it. But that's what I believe. Met with the committee, we talked, and after a while they asked me to come and come to this church to look at it and so forth. And they paraded me around, you know, I had to meet all these groups of people. I knew that they were nervous because I have a tendency to mess up things, and so they were nervous about that. But I had to meet all of these people, and every time there was a new group I had to meet, they were sweating it over there. And I sort of enjoyed that because I was too. And then there was one person I had to meet and, and I knew they were really anxious about that because he obviously had to sign off on me and that was Governor McNair and they told me said uh, he has set aside five minutes wants to meet with you and I said all right so I went in and met with Governor McNair we were there for 45 minutes he and Josephine became dear friends to Linda and me and we loved them very much they were wonderful people to us then they asked me to preach a trial sermon, which I did over in the old building. After I got through, then you know how it works. Some of you do. You know, they, they told me and my family to go back in the little room. And so we go back there, Stephanie and Eric and Linda and I. And I said to them while we were back there, I said, now, we know that they are out there voting on us. What they don't know is that we're going to vote on them. And so I asked my family, I said, now, if you believe that this is what God wants us to do, then we're going to vote. And all four of us voted that that's what God wanted us to do. And so I ended up coming here as the pastor. Best decision I've made in 32 years is Steve Phillips, calling him as minister of music. Now, he was recommended by his mama. That's always a little suspect when mama recommends you. But she recommended, she said, you know, the, 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 the guy you really need is my son. All right. Well, in, in time, I, I went to, he was, he was uh, serving at the First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And so I talked with him on the phone, made arrangements to go down and, and uh, went down and met him. In fact, I was very impressed with the service. The choir was full. Pam sang, and I thought, you know, if I can't get him, maybe I can get her. <laughs> and so we talked, and, and uh, I asked him to come, and Steve didn't feel a release to come. So we talked back and forth for about a year as I looked for others at, at other 
potential ministers of music. I had gone to Jackson, Mississippi. I was interviewing two potential ministers of music. When I got off the plane, I called my assistant and she told me, he said, Steve Phillips has called. And I said, well, give me his number and I'll call him back. And I called him back and he said, if you still want me, I'm ready to come. And I said, come on. I got on the plane and came back home. Best decision I ever made since I have been here. He is a dear friend. He is wonderful. There's no one does a better job than Steve Phillips. And that's the best decision I've made since I've been here. Something else I consider to be important in this church is that I think that together we have established an identity for the church. When I came here, it's, and people at home would ask me, to tell me about the church. I said, well, it has a wonderful history and no identity. And because there were so many ideas as to who we were as a church. And I think together we have established who we are as a people. In our worship, we have a blended service. There are anthems or hymns, there's contemporary music, but a little bit of all of it. See, no one gets everything they want and everyone gets something they want. But in my opinion, if it all has to be what you want, then it's not about God, it's about you. So I think that it is the way that uh, I feel most comfortable with, and then I think that we are also a Bible-believing church. I, I had not been here a long time. The conservative movement was taking place within the Southern Baptist Convention. There were some upset with it. They didn't like that at all. In fact, I remember being at the Southern Baptist Convention. I had come home. I was out in the corridor, and there was a man came up, and he didn't like the conservative movement of the Southern Baptist Convention, and so he was talking with me. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, we have to allow each other the right to interpret God's Word, but we have to agree concerning its essence. And he said, you have said it again. And I said, I've said what again? He said, you referred to the Bible as God's Word. I said, well, I thought it was. He said, well, it is not. I said, well, why don't you tell me what it is? He said, it is a compilation of those people's understanding as to what was happening to them. And I said, well, you and I are never going to agree on that. But I believe now that we have come to the place that you and I, the people of First Baptist Church, believe the Bible is the Word of God. The most obvious accomplishments we have shared in is the, the buildings, the physical buildings. I have sort of seen my role for sometimes as being that of David. David wanted to build the temple but God said that he could not because he was a man of war. And uh, if you read the story, it says that David assembled the materials and then Solomon built the temple. But David assembled the materials. And that's what I have tried to do for some time, is to get ready for the next pastor who comes. We built this building. We occupied it in 1992. I remember the you know, going through all of that, raising the money, getting the plans, considering relocating, all of the things that we considered, and then believe that God wanted us to stay right where we are when everybody else is moving out. We were in the middle of it, and Governor McNair called. And uh, the governor said, Wendell, the Richland County Library is for sale and we need to buy it. He said, when you're downtown, a piece of property becomes available, you have to buy it, especially if it is on your block. And I said, well, governor, I, I agree with that, but where are we going to get the money? 
Because, I mean, we're tapped out in this building. We, we don't have any room for anything. Where are we going to get the money? He said, well, that's your problem. <laughs> we built this building. We needed to address our parking needs, but good thing about it, you know, God is wonderful in the way he works things out. We needed to address our parking problems, but so did Baptist Hospital. So we made a partnership with Baptist Hospital. We own the property across the street over here. And uh, so we made a deal with them, a partnership with them. They paid us $800,000. They would build the parking garage. We would get around 50 permanent spaces in that parking garage. We would use it on Sunday. We would use it on Wednesday. We would use it at other times. We would own 10% of it. And if they ever decided they didn't want it as a parking garage, and I'm just telling this so you take notes in case this ever happens and no one remembers. <laughs> if they ever decide they don't want it as a parking garage, we buy it back for $800,000. Now when we presented that to the church conference, some of you were here and there were people who spoke against it. And I remember saying, you know, I'm having a real hard time trying to figure out how this is not a good deal. I thought that it was a good deal, and to this day I think it's a good deal. So we have parking over there. We built the Family Life Center. Many of you work out there. The rest of you should. <laughs> we remodeled Enzi, went through it, totally remodeled it, purchased the YMCA. There were so many times that someone would come to me and say the YMCA is going to be available and I met with them and I'm excited. I met with them and it was never available. This last time I was told they are going to sell and, and we need to meet with them. I said, look, I've been down this road a number of times and they're not going to do it, but I'll, I'll do it. And then we end up buying the YMCA. Isn't that incredible? Remodel it. There are two phases of remodeling. We've done the first one for the students, student building over there. Second phase is going to be the most fun. I'd like to do that, but, you know, somebody else is going to raise the money for that. <laughs> but did you know that we built all these buildings that we have and all that we've done? It's about $30 million, 31. We owe less than $3 million total total debt. That's the faithfulness of God and his people. So that is the most obvious thing that's happened. And then there's a television ministry. As uh, we saw in the video a while ago, we, uh, that's a unique component of First Baptist Church. We have broadcast in Columbia for 60, over 60 years. We broadcast our service here. And then we moved up to Greenville, the upstate, which covers Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Asheville, all that area up there. Honestly, the reason we did that was, is that so Betty could watch her boy lead the music here at First Baptist Church. <laughs> then we moved over at Myrtle Beach and started broadcasting at Myrtle Beach uh, because there are 12 million visitors a year that come to Myrtle Beach, and I think that we, it's a great opportunity for us to have a witness there. So we broadcast at Myrtle Beach, and then we moved down to Charleston. Charleston's the holy city. And I thought First Baptist Church should have a witness in the holy city. So we went there, and then we went to Savannah. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I meet people a lot from Savannah who come up. They want to come to church. In fact, we have a couple right over here who's from Savannah, and they're a part of our church. And uh, they come about 
once a month or so and then watch it on television like a lot of y'all. <laughs> then we started broadcasting in Augusta, home of the masters. Steve and I talked about it and we, you know, we decided maybe we ought to broadcast in Augusta because maybe they will see us and someone will give us tickets to the masters. <laughs> They never did. <laughs> I'm looking for a camera so I can directly appeal to the people in Augusta <laughs> to provide us with some. But did you know, uh, now the preachers, tell, you know, they give all these figures. I, I get tickled at them sometimes. They talk about their television ministry and they've got seven million people watching or whatever it is that they have watching. Well, that might be how many are able to watch if they decided to. But we literally every Sunday have between 75 and 100,000 people who worship with us on television. The Lord has blessed that. Some of the sweetest, most supportive people I've ever known are people who worship with us by television. I meet them all the time and they are so, they are so encouraging and I thank God for them. And then there's the Christmas pageant and the celebration of liberty Thousands attend, it's broadcast statewide. It's already been mentioned about Charles Jackson, my friend at Brookland Baptist. He and I became friends because our brotherhoods introduced us and it turns out that we really liked each other and so we had about a 20 year relationship, friendship that I think the world of him. It was in, in Easter 2000, we, we began to think about having a sunrise service at Williams Bryce Stadium. And so we worked on that. We're going to have a sunrise service, you know, early. And everybody come. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And we worked on that. And then Easter morning came. It's dark. I'm going to Williams Price. And I'm driving out there. And for the first time, I began to think, what if no one comes? Charles and I are going to look like the biggest fools in town. What if 800 people come? I mean, you're in williams Price Stadium. If there nobody comes, and then as I'm driving along, I see these buses leaving Fort Jackson going out there, and I thought, you know, this thing might work. And we had over 40,000 people come to a sunrise service at williams Price Stadium, and we had a glorious time celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And then planted five churches, as was mentioned also. Now, I knew that was of God. I knew that was a vision of God when I, I, I told you about it because I have never wanted to plant churches. I thought if anybody wanted to come to church, they could come here. They could come and hear me preach right here. This was good enough. But, so, but God put that on our hearts, and we've done that. And we saw the Burmese uh, uh, baptisms earlier in the service and, and uh, Eric is out there and the church that he pastors is the first one that we started. So as I look at this, what Paul did is that he began by remembering his time with them. And then in verse number 22, he says, and now, and now behold bound in spirit. I'm on my way to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Verse 24, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, now, what's before us? He said, um, I want to finish my course. 
Well, that's what we want to do. My family wants to finish the course that God has given to us. And for us, we will go to Village Church in Blythewood and work with Eric. People ask me, say, well, what are you going to do? I said, whatever he tells me to do. And I've been married a long time. I can take instructions. So I, <laughs> I'm going to go out there and work with him, and I'm looking forward to it. Eric has always been very supportive of our ministry and what we've done, and I want to spend the rest of my time being supportive of his ministry. And then we'll have a flexible schedule for the first time. I might even see some of you at the USC football game. So don't be drinking. <laughs> we want to finish our course and you are poised for a great future. Pastor Search Committee has been looking. I met with them when they were first formed. I met with them one time. I've not been involved in the process, but here's the thing. I, I, uh, I know the committee, and I know they are wonderful people. I know they love the Lord, and I know they love this church. And I am absolutely convinced they are going to present to you at the proper time the person that God has led them to. So I have confidence in the committee. I have confidence in their prayers and their works and the recommendation that they will make. Then Paul says in verse number 28, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So Paul gives them a warning. He said, be on guard. I encourage you to be on guard in the days ahead. Do not stray from the Word of God. It is an errant, it is infallible. You build on the Word of God. Do not stray from the Word of God. And whether it's me or anyone else, if you were to get a pastor who does not believe the Word of God, you ought to get rid of him. Don't stray from the Word of God. There are some challenges that Satan will try to exploit during this time. One is division. First Baptist Church is a diverse congregation. It is multi-generational. We have a lot of different interests, a lot of groups. The danger comes when one group wants to dominate everyone else. You are in the same boat. You can row it to shore or you can sink it. And I am counting on you to rowing together in the future. I think there will be a challenge about priorities. The Southern Baptist Convention met. I was there in June, and it is my belief. I may be wrong. We'll see. But it is my belief that the convention is moving towards social justice, that the focus is going to be on women's rights, race relations, immigration, all those things. And you might say, well, are those things not important? Absolutely they're important. But there is a reversal in the way we have approached them. The idea is that we make everything right and then we evangelize. Historically, the belief has been that we evangelize 
that a person's heart is changed, that they become a new person in Jesus, and then they are able to do right. So that might be a little fuzzy to you, but let me just say to you, be on guard. There are three basic functions, I think, of the church. The first is worship. Matthew 28, 9, you worship. The second is evangelism. Matthew 28, 19, you make disciples. And the third is discipleship. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them. Those are the three basic functions of the church. Don't leave them. And then in verse number 32, and now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. Paul said, I commend you to God. The word of God, he said, would build you up and you will receive your inheritance. And I believe that you will receive your inheritance hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they should see his face no more. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Ministries and ministers end. We've had a lot here. Ed Young, Archie Ellis, James Boyce, William Bullion Johnson, all of them. They have come, they have served, and they have gone. Today, Linda and I conclude our ministry here. 32 years of ministry with you. We will not be here, but you will always be in our hearts and we will always love you. Paul says, the book of Acts says that he spoke to them and then they knelt and prayed. And that's the way I want to close. I want us to spend a moment together in prayer, praying for this church, praying for the next pastor, and praying for my family as we continue our ministry. Now, some of you cannot kneel and I understand that. But you who can, I would like for us to take just a couple of minutes here, get on our knees before the Lord and pray and then we will conclude.
Listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us grace. Sing it together. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power. Send us, sing it one more time as we stand. Sing it, church. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love, send us power, send us Thank you so much, everyone. May be seated, and I recognize our church moderator, Brian Barnes, for a very special call church conference. Thank you. Good morning. We are in conference. The purpose of the church conference is to consider a motion by the personnel committee, and the chair will recognize Mr. Bucky Drake, the chairman of our personnel committee. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. And it's a pleasure to represent the personnel committee. With this honor, the Personnel Committee moves that the honor title Pastor Emeritus be conferred on Wendell Estep. The motion coming from, the, from a committee needs no second, and the chair will recognize Mr. Drake to speak to the motion. As the Personnel Committee looked back on P Pastor Estep's 32 years of pastoral leadership at First Baptist Church with deep respect and thankfulness, we wanted to the entire congregation to have a way to participate in honoring him. Pastor Emeritus is a title granted by a church to show honor to their retired pastor. Emeritus is an anglicized Latin word for someone who has fulfilled his required commitment. Wendell has certainly done that and more. Therefore, the personnel committee moves that the purely honorable title, Pastor Emeritus, be conferred on Wendell Estep with the utmost gratitude and love. Uh, Dr. Estep asked the chair if there was a salary associated with that, and I assured him <laughs> it was uh, purely honorary. Uh, but um, having heard the motion and heard the chair speak to it, is there any discussion? The question has been called. All in favor, vote with the uplifted right hand. And I see there can be no opposition because all hands are raised. So the motion is carried. Dr. Estep, you are now our pastor emeritus. And Keith, would you...
anticipating that the vote might go as it did, we have the, um, the moderator, the chairman of the deacons, and the chairman of the personnel committee. On behalf of you, the congregation have prepared a proclamation. And this, and I'll read it to you. The First Baptist Church of Columbia, proclamation conferring title of Pastor Emeritus on Wendell R. Estep. Whereas Wendell R. Estep has served the members of the First Baptist Church of Columbia with distinction for 32 years, and whereas during that period we've benefited from his consistent, clear, unapologetic, spirit-filled preaching of the Word of God, and whereas he has led a diverse congregation with wisdom and strength to a place of harmony and unity, and whereas during his ministry he led in setting and carrying out a vision that has resulted in making a cohesive physical campus through building and renovating buildings for the purpose of ministering to the people of his community, and whereas he has led in establishing new churches to minister to others in more distant areas of our community and for those who speak different languages, and whereas he's led in extending the ministry of the First Baptist Church of Columbia throughout South Carolina and into neighboring states through a greatly expanded television ministry. Now, therefore, the First Baptist Church of Columbia, having met in special church conference and voted, does hereby confer upon Wendell R. Estep the title of Pastor Emeritus to demonstrate our deep and abiding respect, appreciation, and love for him arising from his 32 years of service to Jesus Christ among us. The First Baptist Church signed by the moderator, the chairman of the deacons, and the personnel committee. Well, you know, when you've gotten as many whereases as he's gotten today, that's pretty important. So. Father, we thank you we just thank you for the privilege of being together today we pray that you would continue to bless us throughout this day bless our service this afternoon as we love our pastor and Linda and his family may you be honored today we thank you Let's sing together to close. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing.